afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion, and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Marty, pastor to the Grace Adventist Center and Sterling Seventh-day Adventist Churches right here in the magnificent city of Adelaide. And I'm joined by Pastor Gary. Pastor Gary is pastor to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church. Pastor Gary, a big welcome to you. Oh, Marty, it's great to be able to, to join you this afternoon in the studio. It is such a magnificent day out there today. This is one of those good-to-be-alive wow. days. We've just had cracker after cracker after cracker of a day, haven't we, here in uh, Adelaide? 22 degrees, no breeze, no wind. I mean, I'm out there walking at uh, 6 o'clock in the morning. The sun is just getting up above the horizon. And, um, uh, you know, it's yeah. how much better could you... Anywhere yeah, that's else a good in start the world the would you want to live... <laughs> you know, I feel so satisfied, absolutely, living in Adelaide and the blessings of being a part of a great ministry team here with wonderful churches, wonderful people, and I believe God has uh, is doing something special here oh, he in this part is. of the and world. You know, Marty, one of the real privileges that I, I know that I had over this last weekend was to actually be able to come and preach at uh, your church uh, in uh, right here in Adelaide. That's the Grace Adventist uh, yeah. Centre. And you know, Marty, I just really want to compliment, uh, if, if anyone is, um, uh, is wanting a, a church, you know, I mean, the best church in Adelaide, of course, is the Brighton Church, which is my pastor, but, yeah. you know, the very second, the second best, the, the second best one <laughs> has to be the Grace Adventist. In fact, you know, I knew a lot of the, uh, people there from, they were, they were young people a, a few years ago. The thing that I'm just absolutely so, uh, stoked about is seeing the average age of that congregation. You know, the average age, uh, you know, I'm certainly in my mid-60s now, but uh, most of these people are in their, uh, certainly in their 30s, and uh, the yeah, average age, right. I felt like the old man in that congregation. You were the very wise and well-respected man, <laughs> Pastor Gary. <laughs> no, it, it was so good to to actually be be, be part. So, I mean, so often you actually hear, uh, this church, you know, the church is, you know, for old people. You know, this church, your church there doesn't have an old people, a, a old person in there. There must have been you know, 60, 70, 70 people there, and uh, not, a, apart from myself, not an old person inside. Yeah, yeah, uh, there's a, occasionally, you know, I mean, uh, you know, we do, I don't want to go naming names, but, you know, there is some more senior folk there, and we're thrilled that, that they're there as well. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is a beautiful church, beautiful people who definitely have a passion for sharing God's word in the community. And I, look, I, I just really like to recommend, if you happen to be here in Adelaide and you want a, a really good, a lively, uh, a lively church, but a church that is thoroughly biblically based, and yet uh, it is actually uh, quite conservative in its worship style. That's the thing that I, you know, this isn't over the top. Uh, this isn't, yeah. uh, we're singing hymns there, you know, and with with gusto. Mm-hmm. and Inspiring. Uh, it's it's yeah. inspiring mm-hmm. stuff. And so, Marty, I, I'd just like to give a big, a big shout out, and, and thank you for giving me the privilege of being able to preach there uh, last, uh, last weekend, yeah. and and, uh, uh, you know, if anybody wants to come to a really um, a butte church, then Grace Adventist Centre on Sir Donald Bradman Drive. That's right. Is, 312 uh, Sir Donald Bradman Drive in Brooklyn Park. Um, 
everyone's welcome. Our services start there at uh, Bible study is at ten o'clock, yep. and then the church service starts at eleven o'clock. So three hundred and twelve. So Donald Bradman Drive, Brooklyn Park, and I would love to see you there. That'll be fantastic. And do you have that lunch every week? Most weeks there is a lunch. Yeah, uh, at least uh, some maybe one one Sabbath a month there is no lunch. Right, but every other week there is. Ah, uh, that's worth coming for. Absolutely, absolutely. Hey, so Pastor Gary, this week we are going to be looking at the subject of Christianity in history. How positive was its contribution? And today we're going to be looking at the question: Was Christianity bad news for slaves? Mm-hmm. And so this is going to be a fascinating subject. This is one of the issues that is uh, brought up when it comes to an objection to Christianity is this whole issue of slavery. Mm-hmm. And so it'll be really interesting to actually dig into this subject and see what the Bible actually says on this issue of slavery. And I guess more broadly, freedom in general as well, Indeed, which is a huge issue in our world today where we are seeing more and more and more, um, yeah, I guess you could say um, autocratic styles of leadership and approaches to government. In uh, And so it's going to be yeah. a really good yeah. subject today. Now, before we dive into that particular subject, we're going to talk a little bit about, for our World Watch segment today, we're going to talk about the optimal diet what is the optimal diet? You know, there are a number of different diets that are out there. There are actually hundreds. But here's four fairly, um, fairly well-known diets that are, that are, um, some of them have come up in more recent years and, and, and gaining a lot of traction. Others have been around for, for a bit more time. But four diets. The first is the keto diet. Now, a keto diet is a low-carb diet, very high-fat diet, and a moderate-protein diet. You, in the keto diet, you would be getting about 80% um, of your calories, of your energy, from fats. Wow. So what it does is it forces your body into ketosis because, of course, you don't have enough glucose from carbohydrates in your diet to create energy, your liver is forced into actually creating something called ketones, which then gives you the energy for your body. And people are getting very excited about going on a keto diet because of rapid weight loss. But what's interesting is the studies have actually revealed that where is this weight loss actually taking place? Now, different people are going to have different results. But generally speaking, the research is showing that the rapid weight loss takes place because of A, water loss, and B, muscle loss. Wow. Which is very interesting, isn't it? And so people can see that rapid weight loss and, and begin to get excited, but their actual body fat composition may not have changed. The percentage is actually going up. The percentage is actually going up. And so... It's uh, it's important to actually understand how these diets actually work. Now, is there a place for these diets in certain very specific um, individuals? Possibly. Possibly. Keto diets have had a history of being used for people with epilepsy, for example, uh-huh. because um, 
you know, because of the way that the body converts um, ketones rather than using glucose uh, for the brain, for the energy for the brain. And this has actually been shown to, in in many cases, actually help with, with epilepsy. Of course, now with, with medications, it's not such a common, commonly... Um, prescribed method but but it does certainly exist the other diet is the paleo diet now this is known as the caveman diet that we go back to eating like the caveman um being a hunter and a gatherer so you want to eat things like you know wild berries and um lean meats and um you know things that could be foraged or you know potatoes or, or sweet potatoes probably more likely tubers that would kind of grow naturally and you know, I guess the interesting thing, Pastor Gary, when it comes to the paleo diet is um, there's an assumption here. The assumption is that this is how our ancestors ate, you know, millions of years ago. Now, what's your initial feeling when it comes to trying to imitate a diet that's, you know, millions of years old, potentially? Well, I, I think it lacks, it lacks the evidence. I mean, there is no way uh, that you can actually know exactly what uh, was uh, the ancient diet, unless, of course, you go back to the Word of God. If you follow the Word of God, you do actually get in the book of Genesis, but, of course, that immediately negates the whole uh, millions of years. It does. Uh, thesis straight away. That's right. And uh, if you come back to the, uh, to the book of Genesis, you actually see what the diet of our first parents was and, and and based on based on that you actually see a, a, a fruits grains nuts you know the, the, the three are actually bonded together this yeah. is what god initially gave humanity uh, you know to me as i as i look at you know there are so many fancy names for so many diets out there and there's a lot of money that gets made off those fancy names indeed indeed and to me it's so important to Simply go back to the Word of God. I know that one of the diets I've heard about is the Daniel diet. I don't know if you've if you've, if you've heard about that one. That's a good one, Pastor Gary. Can you please? You're studying in well, this area. Well, the Daniel diet is typically a whole food, plant based diet, mm-hmm. and it's probably somewhat similar to a vegan diet, um, although not necessarily identical to it. And, um, and of course, the, the evidence for low, for a whole food plant-based diet, which is low in saturated fat, the evidence for that type of a diet is the strongest evidence that we have today. This kind of a diet has been found to reduce the incidence of cardiovascular disease, all cause of, all causes of mortality, so cancers, um, of course, reduce hypertension, so, you know, lower the risk of diabetes, etc. And the, uh, and the incredible news is as well, is even if you are pre-diabetic or you are a diabetic or you have had a heart attack or you, you are un- undergoing cancer treatment, etc. To go on a whole food plant-based diet, which is low in saturated fat, is, is the, is actually in some cases, for example, like type 2 diabetes, they've shown that it is possible to even reverse these conditions. Even with cardiovascular disease, um, Dr. Dr. Um, Dr. Esselstein actually did some research in America with um, almost 200 um, heart patients and he put them on this very strict um, whole food plant-based diet, very low in saturated fats, extremely low in it. 
and they saw magnificent results and reversal of cardiovascular disease in these patients. Tell me, Marty, look, can I just ask you a question? Because I'm just really conscious. I mean, you're doing a study in this area. You're actually mm-hmm. doing your, your master's degree in this. It's, it's, it's a post-grad. It's not a master's, but... Uh. <laughs> but it's cl- close enough anyway. All right, well. But look, tell me something. Do you believe, is it possible to be an unhealthy vegan or an unhealthy vegetarian because so Absolutely often- Absolutely it is. It is? Of course. Well, that's why I'm saying whole food plant-based. You can eat a plant-based diet that's not whole food. You can eat, you know, lots of sugary, you know, processed products that um, that, are, that there's no meat whatsoever in them. There's no dairy in them, etc. but it doesn't make them healthy. The, the healthy products are the products that are as close to their natural state as possible. So, you know, raw foods or minimally processed foods is is usually the way to go. I mean, there are some foods, you know, that you really do need to cook it mm. um, in order to eat it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, nothing wrong with, you know, baking, you know, some potatoes and, you know, steaming up your green veggies. No issues whatsoever. That, but, um, what I'm talking about, the high processing is where there's added salt, sugar, fats, and it's gone through all sorts of different processes that it's actually not, the body sometimes doesn't even recognize it as food when, when we mm. eat these highly processed foods. So what you want to try and do if you are um, looking to improve your overall health is look for whole food, plant-based and low saturated fats. And you know, uh, this is actually uh, so, uh, in some ways, easy, but in other ways difficult because more preparation is needed because I'm conscious that it's so easy to actually go out and get things that have been highly processed straight off the off the shelf, bring them home. There's no need to actually um, work with them, uh, whereas, uh, you know, it, it, there's almost, uh, dare I say, in some ways, a little bit of a lost art in many ways for actually uh, producing, you know, a healthy food. Uh, I mean, are you sensing that as well, or is that just absolutely? We have, yeah, you know, we've become very reliant on you know fast food and 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 not, and we're so time poor that actually putting the effort into health healthful cooking is something that um you know that that isn't as prevalent anymore and we're also very affluent as well generally speaking in Australia and so we can afford to buy you know the chocolates and the biscuits and all the other extra things that essentially are discretionary foods which means that if you are going to eat it, eat it in very small portions. In other words, it's not essential, certainly not yeah, essential for yeah, your diet. Yeah. Um, now, the other thing is, I will say this is, if you, there are some particular foods that I think are definitely worth putting in your diet. One of them is walnuts. Now, from some, from some, uh, a research article I recently looked at showed that by eating a handful of walnuts a day, it cut in half your risk of of cancers. Now, I can't remember exactly what cancers it was, whether it was all cancers across the board or particular types, but 
simply by adding a handful of walnuts to your diet each day, this was one of the foods that is actually common in the Mediterranean diet. Ah. The Mediterranean diet. And this is the thing that keeps on getting presented as so important. You know, sometimes I'm, I'm conscious that people say, hey, look, you know, this is, this is so, uh, such an expensive way of living, however. And yet what I find, I don't know about you, but, you know, here in Adelaide, we've got a, a wonderful, uh, farmer's market, uh, of a Sunday morning. I absolutely love, in fact, I'm down there normally at six o'clock. And to me, it's one of the highlights of my Sunday, actually. I go down to the, uh, the farm. Market. It's about six a.m. So in you the get all the specials before I before, get all the before I get there, Pastor Gary. I tell you what, I am just so, it is so good. And uh, what I find is that the food is basically so cheap. Uh, I find that often for forty or fifty dollars, uh, I can get our our week supply. Absolutely. Uh, you know, this is uh, you know, and and we live like kings. Yeah, know? I know. I should I, I should show you, and I might have already shown you a picture of our fridge because uh, after I. Go to the farmers markets. Same markets. Uh, same markets. I pack our fridge full of all this fresh produce, and it's just wonderful. When you, you here's the thing: when it comes to like winning, winning when it comes to what you put in your mouth, the the victory is won at the shops. If you if you buy the healthy, wholesome food, that's what you're going to end up eating. And so, and when it's cheap at the markets, things like that. Wow, yeah, you know, yeah. it's just so motivating, isn't it? It is. So, is there an optimal diet? I, you know, in reality, it's probably difficult to say because people are different. Mm-hmm. We have different energy needs. We have different biological makeups. There is no one diet that suits every person. However, the the general overarching um, principle is whole food. And plant based. Mm. If you can go with that, you know, throw in a handful of walnuts. If you don't like walnuts, maybe try a handful of almonds. That'll almost be as good, um, etc. You know, um, heaps of broccoli, etc. You know, these kinds of things. And if you are a vegan, you've got to definitely watch your B12. You've got to watch your vitamin D, and you've got to watch your calcium, mm. and and a few others potentially as well. There's nothing wrong with supplementing. There's no, no issue with, with that if you are actually low in some of those things. Um, it's, it's a good idea to, to get checked regularly mm-hmm. if, um, if you are in fact on a fairly strict vegan diet. But, um, Pastor Gary, one of the good news is that God is interested in our health. Mm. God cares about our health. And the Bible is full of instruction about how to live healthful lives because God cares about our well-being. He wants the best for us now and for eternity. We're going to come to some music now and then straight after the break, we're going to dive into our subject, Was Christianity Bad News for Slaves?
that was David Phelps with As the Deer. What a remarkable voice that God has given David Phelps. He can, he sings like an angel. And isn't it so true that God is the ultimate one who brings joy to our lives and satisfies the deepest longings of our heart? Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Marty and Pastor Gary. And this week we're following the theme Christianity in History. How positive was its contribution? Today we're looking at, was Christianity bad news for slaves? Now we have a giveaway today that I'm extremely excited about, Pastor Gary. This this uh, resource is called, What the Bible Says About dot 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 and it actually contains 31 actual Bible studies on important subjects. Subjects like what does the Bible teach um, about death? What does the Bible teach about this issue of suffering in the world, the origin of evil? What must we do to be saved? God's law, the Sabbath, all of these things, the second coming of Jesus, all of these subjects are clearly articulated in this book, What the Bible Says About, dot, 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 31 Bible studies on the foundational topics of the Bible. This is a great resource for you if you are seeking for Bible truth and you want a, you want a resource that's going to take you to the Bible and is going to show you what the Bible says. There's another aspect to this resource which is perhaps even more exciting, and that is the fact that it has an easy-to-use Bible marking plan, which will help you transform your own Bible into a virtual encyclopedia of biblical knowledge that you can share with others. So it'll show you how you can take a pen and actually mark your Bible in such a way so that you actually have those 31 Bible studies marked in your own Bible and you can share it with others. You can have confidence that you know where the texts are. And I tell you, I've got a number of Bible studies marked in my Bible, Pastor Gary, and I find it so helpful when I'm visiting or when I'm just... Whatever I'm doing, it has certainly helped to ingrain the Scriptures in my heart and in my life. And you know, Marty, I've actually had some of our presenters say to me, I wish uh, I was able to uh, to get hold of uh, hold of this book. Yeah, you know, I'm one of those presenters. You're one of those presenters. <laughs> but I've actually had our presenters say that to us because, of course, we just share this with our listeners, not with our, our presenters. Our presenters uh, have got a good library them, uh, themselves. Uh, but look, this is uh, this is one book I'd really recommend. I, I think this is this is classic. This is fantastic. Now, if you'd like to get a free copy of what the Bible says about dot dot dot, simply send us the code SA137. SA for South Australia, 137. No gaps in between, just SA137. And send that code to 04888. 80811. That's our studio number. Here it is again. 04888880811. So the code is SA137. And the number you send that code to is uh, 04888880811. And you'll get a free copy of what the Bible says about Dot, dot, dot. Looking forward to being able to send, um, some of these, this resource 
your way and uh, we'll get it to you in the fastest way possible when you send us the code SA137 to 04888-80811. So, Pastor Gary, we're going to come to our subject now of this issue of slavery and what and was Christianity actually bad news for slaves as some claims that it that it was? What does the Bible say on this important subject? Yeah, yeah. Look, Marty, uh, this is this is one of those hot button issues uh, where uh, if a person is dealing in the uh, in the secular world and uh, and a person has a little bit of knowledge, uh, one of the accusations that is often thrown at the uh, Christian person is a look at the way the Bible supports. And they'll name a number of things, but one of them is certainly slavery. Now, uh, I've uh, uh, I'd certainly done some research on uh, on this particular subject, but do you know one of the the books is just very recently, and I do want to give credit on on this before I, I do actually commence. Uh, just very recently, in the last uh, last month or so, I've been able to pick up a book entitled "How Christianity Transformed the World" by Sharon James. Now, I got this uh, this particular book uh, at uh, the Creation Ministries website. So if any of you are looking for this book, can I just recommend it to you? This is just so powerful. Uh, it, uh, that title again is How Christianity Transformed the World by Sharon James. Let me just share with you how it does actually start, start off because I believe they make a really good point. It says, many people today would agree that Christianity has transformed the world, but for the worse. The new atheists don't see Christianity as wrong, but as evil. They believe that we need to be liberated from outdated ideas of moral absolutes. Science, not religion, can solve our problems. The way history is sometimes presented is that enlightened Rome, when pagan Rome collapsed, then came the Dark Ages, and that was the era of religious superstition. But during the Renaissance and the Enlightenment, human reason triumphed over religion. Humanity then entered the uplands of scientific progress, unhindered by faith. Human virtue, without God, could achieve human rights, freedom and prosperity. Unfortunately, well, fortunately, actually, that simple narrative has been discredited. And then she goes on to quote Tom Holland. Uh, Tom Holland is, is actually turns out to be the author of Dominion, The Making of the Modern Western Mind. And uh, he testifies uh, that uh, in his youth, this is how he thought. I was more than ready to accept their interpretation of history, that the triumph of Christianity had ushered in an age of superstition and that uh, modernity uh, was founded on the dusting down of long forgotten classical values but reflection on the evidence changed his mind the longer I spent immersed in the study of classical antiquity the more alien and unsettling I came to find it uh, the values of Leonardus, whose people had practiced a particularly maud, murderous form of eugenics, was nothing that I recognised as my own, uh, nor were those of Caesar, uh, who, report, who was reported to have killed a million Gauls and enslaved a million more. It was not just the extremes of callousness that I came to find shocking, but the lack of a sense that the poor or the weak might have some intrinsic value. 
Tom Holland, set out to trace the impact of Christianity on Western civilization and discovered that the self-giving example of Christ and the uh, and the ethic of respect for human life as God being made in God's image are the real foundation of all those values we cherish in the in the West. Now, that to me was how wow. this, this particular book started. But, you know, to me, the thing that I particularly appreciated were the chapters that uh, that followed because the chapters dealt with things like uh, a chapter on the protection of life, the dignity of women, philanthropy, health care, education for everyone. Uh, you know, chapter after chapter after chapter just simply shows that it's actually the the biblical worldview and Christianity when it adopts that biblical view that has in fact transformed a very pagan society into a world that we, well, dare I say it, used to exist. Uh, there's always been conflict there, but the principles undergirding uh, the Western civilization actually come from a majority of people accepting a biblical worldview, and the evidence is quite remarkable. Um, so that's what sort of took me on this particular study. And today, I was just picking up that. Uh, um, well, I'm starting with that chapter, then I'm going into some of my own my own material. Uh, the, the chapter particularly on slavery, was Christianity bad news for slavery? You know, Pastor Gary, as it's interesting quoting from an author like Tom Holland. Now, I don't know if he's a Christian now or what his worldview is now, but obviously he didn't, he actually started out with a very secular worldview by the sounds of it, and it's through looking into history and actually the, the transformation of history and kind of answering this question of, why have why did society change from all this barbaric these barbaric pagan cultures to having a sense of civilization that, that we see in the world today that is one of the most significant uh, questions because you know one of the things that uh, a number of authors have actually uh, pointed out is that take for example slavery slavery was actually a common practice in the ancient world it wasn't restricted to just any one society uh, there were African nations if I conquered a, a, an opposing African nation and I was part of an African nation I would take people as slaves uh, if I happened to be part you know, you know, this was part of the uh, part of the. Uh, that's the way wars were fought. Yeah. That's how things were run. Yeah. Uh, what part of the trophies of uh, living and and fighting uh, anciently was that if I was on the losing side, the chance was very high that I could become a permanent slave. Mm. And mm. the way in which slaves slaves were treated as sh- uh, as chattel. Uh, mm. not as, and on the same level that a beast of burden uh, was treated. And this was common across all society, uh, except the change took place. And how did that change actually take place, particularly in Western civilization? Now, uh, the the argument that is certainly presented by uh, by uh, Sharon James here, I, I believe, is very, very powerful. In fact, it's backed up by uh, numerous uh, scholarly uh, scholarly studies there. And uh, let, let me just go very briefly uh, with you, through with you, with you if we can um, do you know we, we start by looking at for example Genesis 1 26 and, uh, and 27 and uh, 
the the point that uh, that uh, our our study uh, certainly first makes uh, is that uh, what we have is that the liberties and the values uh, that we have today are based on biblical belief. Now, I want you to look at Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over all the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Now, this to me is just really, really significant because what we actually get here is the foundation uh, for uh, for the belief that humans humans that's all of us this is you and me this is the people from Africa this is the people from you know every every known from South America this is the you know this is everyone is made in God's image we all come from the same parents and therefore we are all God's children do you know what that does Marty is that gives us a level a dignity that it's physically impossible uh, to actually attain in any other way you know if in fact I say look you know I just can't from slime, then hey, it's survival of the fittest. Yeah. So why not have slaves? Absolutely. I mean, exactly. If it's survival of the fittest, and I'm fitter than you, and uh, you would make a good slave, then why not have a slave? Yeah, that's exactly right. Where, yeah. Where has the intrinsic value of the person gone when you actually get rid of the fact that we were created by God? Exactly. And you know, this is the foundational belief that you cannot, uh, cannot over, uh, overlook. Uh, but, uh, you know, and I do have to move very quickly here. I wish I could expand on this more and more and more. Uh, but I'm conscious that our time is, uh, is fl- jumping away from us. And you know, one of the big questions that actually uh, comes, um, comes often, uh, to, to me when I'm sort of talking maybe with a, you know, a university uh, group of people is, uh, don't you realize that, uh, uh, the Old Testament Testament sanctioned slavery because God's people in the Old Testament had slaves. Now, that is seen as the gotcha uh, question. Now, I love gotcha questions because it sort of, <laughs> you can argue a gotcha question without uh, knowing the background, uh, anything yeah. like that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is the thing. It's like asking a politician how much is the price of a, a loaf of bread? Well, which particular loaf of bread are you talking about? The basic one or the more expensive one, you know? Uh, but uh, doesn't the Old Testament sanction slavery? Um, no. Can I, can I just respond as I've Often, as I've often responded, does the Old Testament sanction slavery? Yes, but no. What the Old Testament does is regulates slavery. You see, what you had in that era was a time where uh, there was no uh, government dole. If in fact uh, you were you were sick or poor, or a defeated nation, uh, there, there was often none to actually care for you. Therefore, slavery became normative. Now, this isn't God's desire for humanity. This God did not command slavery. In fact, it's really interesting. If you go into Deuteronomy, what you find is that uh, what God continually does 
is regulates how slavery is to be uh, utilised when it is utilised. Now, uh, to me, I, I love what we actually find there. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, uh, for example, just let's go to the Ten Commandments because I love this uh, this particular yeah. uh, passage. Uh, this is Exodus chapter chapter twenty, and of course, uh, this is the uh, uh, the Sabbath uh, commandment. And I'm not. I'm making... so glad you're going there. That's that's where my mind was going. Oh, look, look, look. This is to me. I think it's just so powerful. Uh, and the the fourth commandment. The reg- Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You or your son or your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor is the stranger that is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and the fountains of water. Now, yeah. look, to me, this, this what is this saying to you, Marty? It's saying that regardless of your social status or anything like that, when it comes to Sabbath worship, God says everybody gets this time off. Everybody is equal in that sense of their um of their access to God to be able to worship him and that even servants and slaves had a day off on sabbath do you realize how radical that was in the ancient world if you were a slave if you were you were the same as the cattle yet hear what god does in the in the seventh in the uh, fourth commandment is to say i'm giving you i expect you as a slave owner you give your, your slave a day off every single week. You know, it's interesting. I was reading just this week about the year of Jubilee, which would come uh, every 50 years. And let's say someone did fall into poverty and they did fall into difficult, um, you know, their, their health failed. And so they, they actually had to become uh, a slave for somebody else just in order to survive. Come the year of Jubilee, which was like, a year, it was like a Sabbath year, basically. Land would be restored to those individuals who, uh, you know, who may have had to go into slavery for those Jewish individuals who may have had to go into slavery, who may have had to work for their a greedy neighbor. But every 50 years it came around and God would re uh, instate and restore the land that they had lost through whatever hardship they'd been through. And, 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 and again, the question is, where would you have ever seen that? And it doesn't even exist in the world today that if, if somebody falls into difficult financial s- circumstances, that there is actually a way out of that poverty cycle for them. And that is, to me, so important. You know, and I was actually going, and we don't have time to go there, but there are other passages that talk about uh, the uh, uh, the festivals, and some of these festivals went on for a solid week. Uh, <laughs> the, same cli- the, the same expectation is there, is that you'll give your servants the time off. Now, here we've got God regulating slavery. He says, Yes, I know this has become part of society. I wish it wasn't part of society, but I understand that you know, you know what human nature is actually like. Uh, but this is how you you were slaves yourselves in Egypt, and yeah. he actually says this. Yeah. Therefore. This is how you're to treat your slaves. Yeah. And he, he puts limits. He says, 
you're, you've got to have give them time off. You know, now in the ancient world, this was unheard of. You know, you know, people say, "Hey, look, you know, uh, the Bible promotes slavery. What God is trying to do is to regulate uh, what was actually a common practice until." The hearts of humanity were changed. And then yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, change actually does take place. But look, that happens in New Testament days and beyond. But let's go to our break. All right. And we'll come to that after the break. We'll come to that very soon. And I um, hope you enjoy this song by Mark Schultz. Remember me. It's a classic, powerful song.
that was Remember Me with Mark Schultz. Welcome back to um, Faith FM. You're listening to Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Marty and Pastor Gary. And this week we are following the theme, Christianity in History. How positive was its contribution? Today we're specifically talking about slavery. What does the Bible say about slavery? And before we go back into our Bible study... We do have a free giveaway today. It's a book called What the Bible Says About by Lonnie uh, Meloshenko. What the Bible Says About. Now, this is an incredible resource. It has 31 Bible studies on various different topics. What does the Bible say about Jesus? What does it say about God? What does it say about death? What does it say about the origin of evil? What does it say about the end of all things and the second coming? All of these subjects that are that are um, clearly articulated in this book, What the Bible Says About. The other really cool thing about this book is it also has a easy-to-implement Bible marking plan so that you can turn your Bible into a virtual Bible encyclopedia by simply marking your Bible. Now, my Bible, I've got it, I'm holding it right here in the studio, and it's a marked Bible, which means that I've taken a pen and I've actually... Um, marked various verses on various subjects in the Bible. And and this is a way that you can really get to know what the Bible says on a particular subject, and you know what texts to turn to. It's a great way... If you have a, um, if you if you're interested in sharing um, what the Bible says with somebody else, marking your Bible is a great way to do that. Now, this is a free resource. What the Bible says about dot 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 thirty one Bible subjects and a Bible marking plan as well. What a brilliant resource! If you want to get this free resource, all you have to do is text our studio number. Now that number is o four triple eight eight o eight. 11. That number one more time is 04888808811. Why not save it in your phone as Faith FM Drive Time? 04888808811. If you want a free copy of the What the Bible Says About, simply send us the code SA137. So five digits, SA137. And that is going to go to our Faith FM bot who will um, ask you some questions so that we can get you this free resource, what the Bible says about. We can get that book to you as soon as possible. Thank you for those who have already texted in to get your free copy of what the Bible says about. And if you're listening today and you, you want to grab yourself a copy of this book, please don't hesitate. We just love to be able to give out these resources to people in the community. Pastor Gary, Let's come back to our topic here. This is a this is a a hot topic. What does the Bible say about slavery? Yeah, look, Marty, and and again, we're only just touching on uh, on these issues today. But look, can I just sort of come to the New Testament because one of the other questions that uh, frequently uh, I'm I'm certainly asked is this issue here: uh, Why doesn't Christ speak against slavery? Because of Christ, Christ was here on Earth for uh, teaching for for three and a half for half years, and yet there's nowhere where he appears to uh, speak against slavery. Now, um, one of the things that really stands out to me in the ministry 
ministry of Christ is that Christ doesn't actually speak about any of the what I would call gro- gross abominations of his time. You know, he doesn't speak against the violence of Roman crucifixions. And if you think about it, that was an horrific uh, way to, to die. He doesn't speak against the, uh, the violence of the gladiators. He doesn't speak against emperor worship or the inhumanity of slavery. Christ simply doesn't speak about these things. Now, the important question is to ask is, why not? Now, to me, I just want to bring you to one text, and I think that there's a, a very good explanation for here. In uh, Luke chapter 5, verse uh, uh, th- um, uh, 32, uh, Christ uh, makes this uh, statement. He's actually talking to, to Matthew, the tax collector. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, you know, uh, to me, this is a, a really important little passage, because what it does is it Christ is stating the purpose of his work here on earth. He's come to call sinners to repentance. And if you like, to put it another way, what he's done is come to earth in order to change the human heart. Uh, you know, it's it's so easy, and you see this so often in the uh, in the religious world today. It's so often to it. It's so easy to attempt to change the um, to, to change your world by using political means. That was not what Jesus was about. He wasn't about changing his world through political means. Because, you see, if you use politics, what comes out the other end is nothing more than politics. But what Jesus was actually doing right through his ministry was aiming to change the human heart. Now, it's really significant that when... I mean, Marty, what happens when the human heart changes? When your heart changes, I mean, that's an intrinsic change. It's it's an intrinsic motivation to live life in a different way. You know, it, it and the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. And so when Christ comes into my life, he changes the way I think about myself and about others. He changes the way that I treat myself and the way that I treat others. And the golden rule that Jesus did teach is whatever you want people to do to you, do also to them. Exactly. So in other words, what's occurring is that Christ is targeting the a conversion or the change of the individual. You know, when the individual changes, what happens is their worldview changes and how they treat uh, other people uh, as they uh, start to associate, change starts to take place. Now, what you start to see in the early church is this change starts to happen firstly in the uh, New Testament church. Now, I love uh, Galatians chapter 3. Now, I think this is a really beautiful passage of scripture. It's uh, Galatians 3 and it's verse uh, verse 20 uh, 26. And uh, this is um, uh, this is the apostle Paul speaking to the Galatians. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. All of you, you know, slaves, masters, whoever. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. In other words, there's been a change that's taken place. There is neither Jew nor Greek. Nationalities are broken down. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, but you are one 
in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the apostle. You know, according to Paul here, all those who are Christ have become Abraham's seed. They've become heirs of the promise and the divisions of even slave and free have broken down. Now, this started firstly in the Christian community. But, you know, the significant thing is from there on in, it spreads. Uh, you know, if you, uh, you know, how did, did slave and master still exist? Yes, they did. In fact, if you get in uh, the book of Ephesians, Colossians, what you start to find is that Paul himself uh, doesn't uh, say slavery is okay, but neither does he, he condemn slavery because it's simply a part of part and parcel of their life but what he does is starts to regulate it uh, you know just as uh, in uh, in that era uh, husband and wife husband had total authority over the wife what what Paul does is he turns around and he says well no uh, this is the way that husband and wife are to relate to each other then he turns around and says slave and free this is how slave and mm. free are to relate to each other because you're going to be worshipping mm. together mm. in the same church so the barriers are starting to come down the barriers are starting to uh, to really to really break mm. uh, now uh, to me oh we've got to finish uh, look I'm just so conscious if you go into uh, the into the later years of the uh, of the Christian dispensation, you come to play people like Sir William Wilberforce. Why was it that slavery in Britain was done away with without a gun being fired? It's because of the work of a Christian clergyman. A Christian politician, Sir William Wilberforce, and he was an absolute radical, regarded as a radical in his day. It took him 15 years of political fighting, but because the society had been impacted by the uh, Christian biblical values, uh, he finally won it. Who was he supported by? He was supported by Sir John Newton. Sir, uh, John Newton was actually the slave ship captain, the man who wrote Amazing mm. Grace, and his yeah. journals was what provided a lot of the evidence for the doing away of slavery in Britain. Do you know, as I look at this, I turn around and I say, hey, did Christianity make a positive impact on society? It most certainly did. As a result of that, the entire uh, slavery was done away with in the British Empire uh, without a gun being fired. That is absolutely powerful. That is God's hand at work, isn't it? Through the amazing teachings of the Bible, through the teachings that show that we are actually created in God's image. That's it. And that Christ died for every single one of us and that his grace is enough to cover all of us. These powerful biblical truths pave the way for the abolition of slavery. And we can, yeah, we can praise God for his word and for, for the, for the true biblical Christian faith that which paved the way for that to happen. Pastor Gary, this has been a, an exciting subject to be able to, to look into today. And, um, and, uh, dear listeners, it's been a joy to be able to, to go through this subject together. I want to invite you to, to join us again tomorrow when Pastor Gary is going to be with Pastor David Butcher and they're going to be discussing was Christianity bad news for the sick and poor? Another marginalized Group, another uh, group that was suffering and in difficult hardship. What did Christianity do for them? And I want to leave you with these. 
precious words from God who says to us, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. What's God's plans for you? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. May you indeed experience the wonderful hope and future that God has planned for you. God bless. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.